Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rockerless. Like most towns in the United States, my town fell hard for home video games in the early 80s. Everybody was pushing hard to get an Atari, a ColecoVision, an Intellivision. But as more people started to play, there was a hankering for more sophistication, not just in games, but in what you could do with these machines. And what people were really starting to talk about was the upcoming home computer revolution. I jumped on this manwagon with Commodore. Others would go to Apple or Atari. But I had one friend whose entry into the computer world was through Mattel. Mattel is not a company you think of when you think of home computers, but in the early 80s, they released a computer called the Mattel Aquarius, and they hyped this thing, and it seemed like it might be a big deal, until it wasn't. For many reasons, the Aquarius really didn't live up to the abilities of other home computers at the time, and even amongst early adopters, there was a bit of snobbery people looking at what they had and comparing it to what other people have. So while my friend was very excited to get an Aquarius, everyone else kind of looked down their nose at it. That was until he got a copy of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Treasure of Tarmin for it. Suddenly, his house became very popular. We spent many hours watching him play Treasure of Tarmin. More importantly, just this one game elevated the entire Mattel Aquarius in everybody's eyes. While none of us would ever get a Mattel Aquarius at the time, we started to dream about it. Or at least we started to dream about what it was capable of doing, the games it was capable of playing. And this goes along with the idea of what is the killer app? What is the thing that is going to make you want to buy a machine? In the case of the Aquarius, it was this D&D game. Although they would have other games that were pretty enjoyable to play. Unfortunately, it wasn't the computer aspects of the machine. Those features were quickly left in the dust by the likes of Commodore and Atari. And the Mattel Aquarius nowadays is hardly remembered. But on today's show, I'd like to take a look back to 1983. To take a look at this improbable machine that made my friend very happy for a couple of months and was the object of most of my friend's affections for most of that time, the Mattel Aquarius. We'll talk about the creation of the computer, the company that made it, we'll talk a little bit about the games, the technology, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. We can hardly talk about 
the Mattel Aquarius without talking about the company that made it, Mattel. Mattel was founded in 1945 to make toys, and you probably know them best for their very successful Barbie toy line. Their toys to this day still do very well. But as the 1970s started to mature, there was this idea that you could make games that were electronic and handheld based on calculator technology. Mattel was able to succeed in doing this, creating a very simple auto racing game that had red LED lights and very simple sounds, but it was a big hit. And it would spawn many other games, including a great line of sports games that almost every young person in the United States in the 70s at least got to play if they didn't own it themselves. The success in these handhelds gave Mattel a lot of confidence and decided that they should move into the video game market. Their creation when they decided to do so is probably well known to everybody, the Intellivision. One of the things that Mattel excelled at was licensing material. That is where you get a Dungeons and Dragons game, but they would also license things like Tron and Scooby-Doo and the Jetsons. Unfortunately, while these were great licenses to have, the games themselves would often be a mixed bag. The driving force behind the Aquarius would be Mattel Electronics, which debuted in 1977 with that driving game I discussed earlier. Eventually, it would become its own corporation in 1982, riding high on the video game market. Unfortunately, as many of us know, the very next year, the video game market collapsed. And in that year, Mattel Electronics forced Mattel to take a $394 million loss and almost caused the company to file for bankruptcy. That's very unfortunate for Mattel, but in the meantime, we did get some very interesting product from them. Now, I'm going to mention another company, a company called Radafin Electronics Limited. Radafin was founded in 1974, and they made consumer electronics. Toward the middle of the 70s, they started building video game consoles, and then in the 80s, they would turn to the home computer, and that is where Mattel and Radafin would cross paths. You see... As video game consoles were maturing, there was this thought that by adding components to them, you could turn them from a video game console into a home computer. And Mattel wanted to do that with its Intellivision and was manufacturing the Intellivision keyboard component. A few of those actually went on sale in trial runs, but there's not a lot of them out there. In fact, it was so bad that the U.S. Federal Trade Commission fined Mattel on failing to deliver the keyboard. But to show that Mattel wasn't willing to give up on this, they created the Entertainment Computer System, or ECS, which was a cheaper keyboard add-on for the Intellivision. That ECS was released in January of 83 at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. But by that point, it was too late. The console market was going down, and the home computer business was going up. Commodore was selling the VIC-20, eventually would start selling the Commodore 64. Atari was selling the 400 and 800. And of course, we had Texas Instruments and Tandy releasing computers at the same time. Mattel flirted with the idea of creating a newer Intellivision in order to compete with the ColecoVision. Ultimately, they decided against it because they were realizing that the console market wasn't going to go anywhere. But this new computer thing, now that was something. I'm sure they discussed trying to create their own computer in-house Although I can't imagine with all the problems they were having with the keyboard component for the Intellivision that thoughts of that would have lasted very long. Since they didn't want to create their own, 
they contacted Radafin. Radafin had two things going for it. They had already worked on Mattel's television units. They also had computers ready to go. And so Project Checkers was born. A couple of months later, in early 1983, Project Checkers would get an official name, the Aquarius. The game, technical overview. Built from off-the-shelf components. It used a Zilog Z80A processor that clocked at 3.5 megahertz. It had eight kilobytes of ROM, a 48-key rubber calculator-style keyboard, video output via TV modulator, and printer and cassette ports. And technical overview. There was a real problem with how weak the Mattel Aquarius was. Chris Palmer, in Personal Computing Today, is quoted as saying, The standard computer contains four kilobytes of memory, but after the operating system has taken memory for its own working and for the screen and color memory, you are left with 1,731 bytes for your own programs. This was a real hassle for people trying to create games for the system. There just wasn't a lot of room for much. To overcome this, Mattel engineers imposed a character set on Radafin that would contain glyphs that could be used to create more complex and game-friendly graphics. Things like people running, aliens, explosions, etc., this leads me to one of my favorite quotes about the Mattel Aquarius. It is attributed to Mattel designer Bob Del Princip. Looking at the poor graphics capability, he suggested that the slogan for the computer should be Aquarius, the system for the 70s. While it had limited capabilities, Mattel had a strategy, basically trying to create a system that was cheap enough for everybody to get with the idea that everyone would spend money later to expand it. And so they planned on all of these expansions. As you can guess from my tone, not many of those expansions ever came to market. Officially, software for the Aquarius was aimed at things like home management, education, and entertainment. The games thing was a layup because there was already a lot of games on the Intellivision, and so they could port the best games from Intellivision over to the Aquarius. We'll return after these messages. Introducing Burger Time, the home video game where you're a chef being chased by food that constantly disagrees with you. Like hot dogs that have a taste for revenge. Burger Time! Eggs that don't turn over easy and pickles that are very, very sour. Burger Time! Now for Intellivision, coming this fall for Atari 2600, Apple II, Aquarius, and IBM home computers. Burger Time! From Mattel Electronics, don't be surprised if you're on the menu. And now, back to the show. RAM was a huge problem on the Aquarius. The Aquarius had 4K of RAM at its disposal, but as I mentioned earlier, they only had access to 1.7K. So things that are their word processor were basically useless, unless you were willing to store your text on tape or even print them out. Mattel started its expansion strategy here, selling cartridges that beefed up the RAM, adding 4K or 16K of memory. But what to do when you wanted to play a game while also putting in one of these RAM cartridges? Well, they also sold a mini expander, which was not so mini. And in the mini, you could plug in two cartridges so you can get your RAM extension and your game in there. A nice thing with the mini expander is that it gave greater sound capability, but also two Intellivision-like controllers. So just right away, the RAM issue with the Aquarius, made this thing a bit of a money pit. You thought you were going in, getting a cheaper machine, 
but then it was all the little extras that were going to add up to make it sort of useful. The Aquarius came with a version of Microsoft Basic, but if you wanted something more advanced to use more basic commands, you had to get a cartridge for that. So you needed extended Microsoft Basic, but good luck finding a cartridge that didn't have very high demand. If you were a Commodore user like me, moving to an Aquarius and trying to use it was difficult, mostly because of its chiclet keyboard. It had these rubber keys that were kind of wobbly and not very responsive. So if you were trying to type fast, it didn't quite feel like you were typing. I've always had problems with any keyboard that doesn't use keys like a typewriter. But in my limited time playing on a Mattel Aquarius, I have very strong memories of it being extra difficult to use. So I went online trying to find what peripherals and accessories were available for the Mattel Aquarius. So I'm going to list a couple of them, some I've already mentioned. The Mini Expander, the Data Recorder, a cassette player to store data and programs, a 40-column thermal printer, a 300-baud modem, the 16K and 4K RAM cartridges. There was talk of this device called the BSR-X10, which was supposed to allow you to control electric devices in your house with the Mattel Aquarius, which I'm not sure if it was ever released, a light pen, a Commodore 64 disk drive interface, and finally a color printer. There's a bunch of other add-ons that are mentioned, but looking online trying to find what was actually released, I wasn't able to find half of the things that they've mentioned. So I imagine there was just a lot of reporting and a lot of vapor, and probably a very uneven marketplace. While a lot of that might have been vapor, what I do like is to see how Mattel had pretty ambitious plans. A lot of coverage on the Mattel Aquarius at the time had to do with its support for Logo. Logo with BASIC is how many people learn how to program. Hooray to Commodore Logo, if you're a Commodore user. Logo was a programming language designed to introduce people and children, more specifically, to computers and programming. It's easy to learn simple commands and create graphics right away. It starts very simple and then gets complex like all languages, but in a way that felt very natural. Logo for Aquarius advertising went something like this. Logo is a simple language that lets you communicate with a computer. It's the perfect introduction to computer programming for children and adults. Aquarius Logo is easy to learn and becomes more complex whenever you want. If you've ever been at a flea market or a garage sale and saw a very strange looking cartridge that kind of looks like a wedge, then you might have seen in a Mattel Aquarius game. They were a very unusual form factor, and their box is also unusual. It's a slightly larger box than you would find for standard games. Mattel would announce many games and titles for the Aquarius. Not all of them would make it to market. Most of the ones that did were just ports of Intellivision games. I'd say the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, Treasure of Tarmin might be the best game for the system, but I am a big D&D fan and I have some childhood memories of playing it. But it did have some other games, things like Hopper and Breakout, Burger Time, the classic Astro Smash. They did plan to release the Masters of the Universe game that was designed at Intellivision by Mike Sanders and Joseph Wagner. It would eventually be published in 1983. Sadly, it was never ported to the Aquarius. We'll return after these messages. The Aquarius home computer system comes with all this and an amazing feature no one else has. A 13-inch color TV for just $99. And now, back to the show. 
Unfortunately, while this was labeled a computer, the Aquarius was actually less powerful than the Intellivision. While the Mini Expander helped to catch it up to the Intellivision, programmers at Mattel thought of working on the Aquarius as a punishment. Fortunately for them, that punishment wouldn't last very long. While rumblings of the Aquarius were announced in 1982, it was finally released in 1983 and would cost $160. Four months later, production ceased because of poor sales. Mattel at that point paid Radafin to assume the marketing rights, so the Aquarius would continue to live on, just not through Mattel. There were plans for future Mattel Aquariuses. The Aquarius II, very similar to the Mattel Aquarius, but would include 20 kilobytes of RAM instead of 4 kilobytes and a mechanical keyboard. It really still only had 4 kilobytes of RAM, but the extra built-in RAM was supplied by a 16 kilobyte RAM extension cartridge. It also included extended basic, which I talked about earlier. So if you ever see an Aquarius II out in the world, those were never built by Mattel. Those are Radithin. Even at the time though, with this extension, the graphics would have remained pretty poor. So all the plans around the Aquarius went out the door. The Aquarius II would be manufactured by another company. The idea that a Aquarius III was even planned sounds crazy, but it was. That would never see the light. If you look at the press at the time, there's a very negative view of the Mattel Aquarius. A year later, a journalist in Boston lumped the Aquarius in with Tommy Tudor, saying they were two machines designed expressly for children. Needless to say, with this failure and the death of the home console industry, Mattel Electronics was in trouble. In July of 1983, Mattel laid off 260 of its electronic divisions employees and then 400 more in August. That's 37% of the workforce. They couldn't lower prices fast enough. They couldn't get good marketing. And it didn't help that the rest of the video game and computer market was just being flooded with material. They couldn't compete. And this meant the death of Mattel Electronics. It meant the death of the Aquarius. It meant the death of the Intellivision. So what do you do if you're interested in the Mattel Aquarius today? Well, you can go on eBay. There are Mattel Aquariuses for sale there. It seems like a fun hobby to get into. It has a very limited amount of material to collect. And yet there's a rabid fan base. Enough of a rabid fan base that there are Aquarius emulators online. If you search Aquarius emulators, you'll find an emulator and some ROMs to play around with. It doesn't take a huge leap to figure out why even a system that wasn't very well received and that had capabilities that didn't live up to its competition could still be very fondly remembered. There was such a short window for people getting their first computer, and getting one was such a big deal that that machine will be the axis on which all of your early memories will rotate. Most of my early computer memories are of Commodore. Typing away with that keyboard on my lap in front of the family television, it was a great machine that had a future. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist today, but at least it lasted a while, and I actually got multiple Commodores. I love to think of the big what if. What if the Mattel Aquarius found an audience? What if the Intellivision had caught on? What would the computer and video game ecosystem look like now? When you look at the software and the hardware, none of that seems to make sense. But it is fun to take a look back and to appreciate and celebrate the unusual products that came to market during the early phases of the microcomputer. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at retroist.com. 
You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. Music on the show is provided by Peachy. Follow Peachy on Twitter at PeachyPixel8. That's the number eight. There you can watch Peachy stream video games, create music, and do all sorts of wonderful things. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great week. They produced the Aquarius up until 1988. So in 1988, people were getting an Aquarius as their computer. That is amazing. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.